Welcome to Curva Mundial. Today, I'm talking to someone who is near and dear to my heart, one of my closest friends, uh, Rosario Pellerito. And Rosario is someone who I've known, oh man, I mean, I've, I've known you probably since like 2008, 2009, I want to say. Yeah, uh, I think we, probably 2009. Yeah, it's like, it's like you know, it go, we go back a while. We go back a long, I know it's definitely pre-Inter treble. And I bring up Inter because that's a team we're going to talk about today. So without further ado, I want to introduce you all to my friend Rosario, who also goes by the name Russ. I've always cherished about our friendship was something that our, our love of this game. And you were someone who, you know, for the first time ever in my life, outside of family members that I could actually talk to about City A and soccer and all these teams. And you didn't look at me like I had 10 heads and we could actually keep up a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean I felt exactly the same. Like I remember very vividly meeting you and then like us pretty much immediately talking about soccer. And it felt as if I was meeting, you know, some distant cousin I had never met before. Because in general, it was tough to talk about. I mean, it's tough to talk about soccer sometimes. Um at that point it had gotten obviously more popular, but like talking about Syria, like outside of my family was just unheard of basically. And so meeting you is like really strange because we could actually like have these real conversations about it. And it was totally authentic. Like, you know, sometimes you meet people and they're just overall soccer fans, but you get the impression quickly that maybe they don't follow this league exactly. They just sort of know things overall. But with you, it was like, that was your league. Like this was my league. We really weren't following I mean, I guess I don't want to put words in your mouth. I know for me, I was definitely not following like EPL at that point or anything like that. And so it was kind of amazing to just be able to just talk to you about it. And like, obviously finding out you're an AC Milan fan um, didn't even bother me. Actually, it was like, it may, it's like way more fun that way because it's like, there's a rivalry, but it's also like a sort of respected rivalry, you know? And it's like, it just made things, I don't know, more fun, I think. And like, clearly, I, I think like, probably sped up our friendship a little bit you know at that time in 2009 i really only cared about one league and one really like it was just it was 95 percent of the time just city and five percent went to basically other and you know my family come i come from a long line of juventus fans and people that have married into my family are all inter fans so i'm the misfit and outcast of the ac milan fan and meeting another Inter Milan, meeting a Inter Milan fan, I should say, outside of my family was sort of like, oh, this is this is kind of impressive. So mm -hmm. and amazing, because again, it's not Juventus. It's easy to cheer for Juventus. And like I remember when friends of mine in college studied abroad in Italy. And if they studied in Florence or if they studied in Rome, they, they became Fiorentina or Roma supporters. And but like they became supporters of them the way like I became like, you know again keeping that small eye on you know bundesliga in 2009 and you know years prior like they would watch a little bit but like they weren't invested in it it was just a thing to like hey i studied in rome i'm bringing back a jersey or i studied in florence i'm bringing back a jersey and went to a game um you know and it's like oh did you watch luca tony and it's like who you know it's ah uh, <laughs> this is where it gets a little you know but with you it was like 
this you know all it was all hands on deck it was like no this this is someone that he he knows what's up and it's you know an inter is a huge team in 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 the world it's a huge team in europe and you know quite frankly it's probably the biggest team in italy it has more fans i think it's i think it's the team with the most fans in all of italy which is really astonishing so my question my first question to you really is how did you become an inter milan fan um I'll, before I answer, I just want to say I exactly I felt exactly like what you just said. I feel exactly the same. And actually meeting you, I felt like there was actually a moment where you knew more than me, you oh. know, and I always felt. Yeah. And I always felt like I need to kind of up my game here. Like I need to know more. And that really made me way more informed. But it was I felt like I it was to keep up with you and like, you know, kind of like continue this relationship. So. It's funny that you say that because I actually felt like I got more interested in it when I met you. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, okay. yeah. So there you go. So I appreciate it. Um, oh, thank you. Thank uh, you for the compliment, yeah. I guess. You know, it's either like, you know, it's like, you know, we're both married. You know, we both have lovely wives that we know very well, um, you know, and our wives know each other very well is what I'm trying to say. And it's what's interesting is that, like, you know, that could have been a gift and or a curse to both of them. You know, in a weird Absolutely. <laughs> Um, it's out look what you did (laughs) (laughs) but okay so how did I become an intro fan I mean it's a pretty basic story like my my dad is so you know I just sort of grew up with it in the house um when I was younger I didn't pay as much attention to it you know it was like I mean I loved soccer and I loved watching like the Italian national team like when I have much more vivid memories of them when I was younger Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like as a young kid, you know, it's just easier to be interested in these big tournaments, you know, the Euro and the World Cup and things like that. And um, those big players playing, you know, so that was always like my my sort of uh, fandom as, as a young age. But obviously, as I got a little older, I got way more interested in Inter. And it was always the team that he was following. And, you know, though Italian soccer wasn't easy to come by you i know experienced the same thing as i did where it was like it actually was fairly accessible to me because you know my parents had rye so it was like i grew up in a household that rye was on all the time (laughs) and if i went to my grandparents house rye was on all the time if i went to my aunt's house rye was on all the time just how it was so soccer was around and i was able to watch quite a bit of it you know um and so that was kind of it like i just I, my dad was an Inter fan, so sort of by default, I became one. Um, but I grew into it, mu- you know, basically every year that I got older, I got much more into it. For sure. I mean, you know, what's funny is that you touch upon the Rye thing, because I remember Rye on Long Island, where I grew up. Like, I don't know if it was, like, I don't remember anybody ever paying for Rye, which means that <laughs> someone was hotboxing something, or um you know it was the 90s after all i mean just to you know put it out there russ and i are pushing 40 so you know um we'll get to you know the the national team in a little bit too because i definitely want to touch on that but we'll get to that in a bit but rye when i remember as a kid it was on public access on sundays they would do mass right so they would broadcast the mass from uh from vatican city and then afterwards, it would be uh, Joshua del Gaul. So it would be like the day of goals, you know, that, that show that they do 
um, where it was, you know, sort of like what Sports Center is now, where it's like a bunch of commentators, a bunch of pundits talking about uh, the, the games of the day, the highlights of the day. And then they would play the match of the week. And but I remember match of the week on Sundays was never a live match. It was like random, like it would be Fiorentina plays Genoa, but that game was like three weeks earlier. And they're just broadcasting it as match of the week now. Or like, you know, AC Milan is playing uh, or Kievo or Cagliari is playing uh, Messina. But these games were not live. They were from, they were taped from weeks ago and they're just, they're live or they're brand new to an American audience that's watching. But it wasn't the live games of the week. Do you Did you have that? Did you remember that? I don't totally remember that. Like, I don't remember how it used to be for a minute. I 100% remember church because it was on at my grandmother's house <laughs> anytime <laughs> I would go there. Um, and, you know, I remember the sort of really strange nightly, I don't know what they were, variety shows, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, but I don't remember exactly the format. Like, I, I, I'll be honest, like, I don't remember being, you know, the a game from weeks ago or whether they were live. Like, I don't remember how that used to go, you know? And mm -hmm. again, when I was younger, it's like, you know, my memories are like pieces of things, you know? And I, I remember like certain players and certain moments, but was I watching that live? I guess I don't really know now, looking, you know, looking back if, if that's how it was, you know? It is weird to see like, but what's, interesting is that like we're such a product of the era you know because mm -hmm. it is weird like the fact that like it's we're in america and we had to like rely on the channel bringing you italian or uh, for me it was public access having doing like an italian day or whatever sunday was always like geared for like rye you know and it, there was it was not on espn it was not on you know paramount or cbs like what the way it is now you know it wasn't on like these big networks it was on it was still very very primitive for us growing up and i remember another thing too was that like you know i'm sure it was like the same in your family where people would get oggi in italia the mm -hmm. you know the italian news newspaper in english uh, the italian newspaper in america or um Gazzetto dello Sport was another one, which is obviously the huge pink paper, sports paper in Italy that, you know, would get printed and you can get a subscription here in the States. And I remember like, you know, family members passing me off that. So you were never getting news really in real time. You know, do no. you ever feel like, do you remember that? Like, you know, what was that like, you know, especially, you know, in the 90s, early 2000s. And then, you know, the we get the gift of the Internet. Yes, well. The funny thing is like not much has changed in my parents' household. Like my dad has always, and to this day, every day drives to the gas station, gets those newspapers, comes home and reads them. Like that is just <laughs> yes. something that has always yeah. been done forever. And it's how he got. And even to some extent to this day, that he's a little bit more like, advanced now in technology not much but a little bit um that's kind of how we get to most of this information so for us things obviously became way more instant you know especially when i was way more into it um suddenly you're finding out you know news as it happens so it was always and that was always really strange because as i got older and i got more interested in it it would be like there were times where it's like i'm finding things out before him 
you know right. and that's a, a weird dynamic because like all my knowledge of it comes from him you know but he was not caught up in that world yet in terms of you know the internet and just getting uh, fast paced things but now he's in like you know whatsapp groups and he's got friends that are you know feeding him info and he's on facebook so he's just as caught up as i am but that lifestyle that you're describing is to a t um what i experienced you know that was how they got their info we we got the info and um and yeah it was difficult to come by which is ironic because i mean syria in the 90s was like the best soccer yeah <laughs> you know, that's it's like, the thing yeah so it's like, and look, I love Sirian and no disrespect to it. Obviously, it isn't what it was then. I still think there's something great about it. And I, and I still think it's a better league than people will give it credit for. But it's funny how only recently it was on ESPN and only now it's on, you know, Paramount Plus or whatever. And, you know, it, back then it was like when it was at its absolute best, you know, it's like no one's watching it, <laughs> you know, I mean, unless you're bride, you know. Right. And that's, you know, that's kind of like the sad thing is that, you know, when you see like there's a generation of kids that never got to really see a George Weah goal. You know, mm -hmm. some people only know George Weah now as the president of Liberia, not the Ballon d'Or winner from AC Milan, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of. It, like it, that's a weird twist for me you know that's also like you know it's there'll only be one Roberto Baggio and mm. you know we got to see that but try like when I, I I have a hard time and a very bitter taste in my mouth and people compare young stars to other timeless classic legends like Andrea Pirlo as you know is my favorite player of all time and mm -hmm. yes, it hurt my heart when he managed Juventus and it hurt my heart when he wore a Juventus jersey and then loved them so much because, you know, he cut his teeth really and made a name for himself in the decade that he wore was a Rossonero. But, you know, when I see comparisons of Central Tonelli, who is an amazing player to Andrea Pirlo, it's like, yo, let Central Tonelli grow up. It's like, you know, Giovinco years ago was the next Del Piero. Let Giovinco grow up. You know, and now it's, you know, they they compare the new, the, there's a kid from Fiorentina whose name is escaping me right now that they're comparing him to Batistuta. And it's just like, no, there's only one of these guys. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and, but again, it's like, it's hard to discuss that and engage that, especially with people that are younger that never really got a chance to see that. Cause like, even us, like, as we paid attention, like we didn't see it every weekend. You know, there weren't 50, like you could go on an app now and watch every City A game simultaneously. Whereas like you had to rely just on Rye to give you one game that week. And that was it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, I think there's, you know, there's probably a something bigger here. And that is just how, I don't know, it fell through the cracks of in, in getting, spotlight for television you know and then i think like you look at the way like the premier league has come up over the years and it's like they kind of got it down you know it's like there's just a ton of money and broadcast is sort of unbelievable and um there's so many options and you know there's nothing in comparison when you look at syria even to this day you know and right. definitely back then it was very difficult 
Um, but you also hear stories randomly about people, especially people like in England, who would sort of discover Syria through, you know, whatever means sort of randomly on television. And they themselves then would become Syria fans and, you know, pick a team. Like it's, I, I mean, I don't know what it was like back then for everyone, but I, I do think in, in those, in the early 90s, especially, like they're probably, it just in general wasn't as accessible uh, as a sport in television everywhere and probably especially in America. EPL got it right because, you know, obviously it's easier to sell England than it is to sell Italy in terms of, you know, the Beatles come from Liverpool and Manchester is mm-hmm. a big city that like everyone sort of knows whether it's from the music or and London, of course, is, you know, New York's wiser, older brother. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's, it's a little bit easier to sell that, especially when those towns sound familiar, whereas like Sampdoria may not sound or translate well, you know, in certain parts of America or like, you know, or what is, you know, what, you know, what is Cagliari and where is Sardinia? You know what I'm getting at here? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I imagine that played a role. I think there's probably other factors that they got right in terms of just getting it out there for the public to see uh, in terms of television and television rights and how they handled that whole thing. And the people who were, you know, I mean, you basically have had guys like Murdoch, like being part of it, you know, and, you know, that's a huge push, but yes, I, there, there has to be something there. I mean, you're, it's, it's an English speaking country, right? So Mm -hmm. I feel like naturally, if you like soccer, like you're going to gravitate. Yes, of course you can watch American soccer, but that also in itself was not that popular. So you've got a bigger league where they speak the same language and we all know Manchester United. I mean, they're basically the Yankees of soccer. I mean, I would say of EPL, but almost of soccer. I mean, I guess you could argue there's like Barcelona's and Real Madrid's, but you know, Manchester United is an incredibly well-known team, even if you don't follow soccer, even right. back then, you know, plus you got the David Beckhams and stuff who kind of, you know, be, are the celebrities out there and, um yeah we all know liverpool you know it's like right if you're into that kind of you know if you're into music and you know you know these guys are you know rock bands are from liverpool and you know we all know that we all know those those things and pop culture or whatever um so yeah it probably made it a little easier in that way the other thing too that you know you mentioned something that is quite interesting is is that you know manchester united had david beckham and obviously, Bennett, like Beckham, one of Keira Knightley's first films, you know, was a big global smash. But it's also like easy to sell someone like David Beckham. Did Italy, do you think, ha- you know, that debonair, very good looking, of course, dating a Spice Girl, you know, do you, like, do you think that also helps sell the league? Sell the English league? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think like, you know... Everyone knew David Beckham and the Spice Girls were huge everywhere. So I think maybe if you're not even watching the sport, you know who these guys are, you know, or you know who this person is, you know, the way people who don't watch soccer know who Ronaldo is, right? you know, it's just that celebrity status. So yeah, they had that guy, you know, and they probably had more than just that, but you know, he's the first 
obvious one that comes to mind. So yeah, I definitely think that that helps, you know, and they were in, this is the thing, you know, if you look at a guy like Toti, for example, right. Mm -hmm. Big, you know, he's that kind of good looking celebrity crossover soccer player, right. In Italy. Um, I mean, like his, his wedding was broadcast on pay-per-view, wasn't it? Yes. So that was that for Italy to, to some degree. Right. But no one here knew knows Toti. <laughs> I mean, you gotta either be just Italian, I guess, or like a real diehard soccer fan, but like you don't know him the way you know David Beckham. Right. You know, and I'm talking about in America. So it's like there's just that easier crossover. So yeah, it has to help, you know. Another movie that I want to bring up too is, is that it's funny that you say like everybody knows Manchester United because it harkens back to the scene in the Hurt Locker when Jeremy Renner's character is running around and he sees someone in Baghdad um, playing soccer and he keeps calling this little kid Beckham, Beckham, Beckham. That to me sort of encompasses America at that time with that game. It was one guy that everyone knew, you know, and even in like the darkest corners of the earth. And I know it's a movie. I'm well aware. So, <laughs> but it's, you know, but it's like, you're, you're you know, this movie is about the darkest corners of the earth and the most famous name that they can come up with because someone's kicking a ball is Dave Beckham. I mean, like that is, you know, that's, that's a stratospheric thing when you think about it. Um, yeah. And I think actually I'll just say this cause you're bringing up movies like, <laughs> and this is not as popular or nearly as good as Hurt Locker, but <laughs> there's a movie with um, Char- Charlie Sheen from the nineties. I, I, I don't know what year exactly called the chase. Oh, yeah, and of course. Is, Henry Rollins, yeah. isn't it? Yes, he is. It's amazing. Um, and it's a pretty terrible, but like back then, I you know, I guess I loved it. You know, it was like, I feel like I watched it numerous times, but there's a moment where like, I think he tells the guy to like kick the gun over and he like kicks it and it goes like very far. And he says something like, you know, I meant to me, Pele. And, you know, I remember thinking like, yeah, you know, Pele is obviously like the most famous. Right. You know, so it's like, you can make that reference and but years later, it's like, yeah, I guess he could have called him Pelly in the Hurt Locker, but like David Beckham is like really the next sort of reference point, you know, I think. And yeah. so it makes sense to me. It's funny how that has carried over, you know, it's like, or that has changed, you know. Yeah. But yeah, ben, I mean, like you said about before, Ben, like Beckham, I mean, to this day, people say that. I mean, anytime anyone talks about bending a ball, it's bending like Beckham, you know, and it's like, right. it's, it has really just become part of the um it just like part of pop culture you know what ends up drawing people to these leagues most of the time are just players you know so it's like we all i i'm sure i mean we know for a fact a ton of people started watching syria or at least juventus when ronaldo came to juventus right, right. so He's because he's the biggest or second biggest or whatever star in soccer. And so, like, you can do that, you know. And but Syria, they struggle with stars. Usually, they're bringing stars in. They're kind of guys that are aging out or they're guys that maybe have like a lot of potential. You know, you kind of get like those random, like Lukaku, for example, right? Like, not old, very good, costs a lot of money, but he's at this sort of like, weird place in his career where if he continues maybe in England it doesn't go well 
or he can go to a team in a league that's like I don't think inferior personally but just like different and if he you know does everything right like he could bring his career right back up I mean that's exactly what happened right right so but that's a little rare you know because most of the time it's these guys that you know maybe you never really heard of you thought oh they're pretty good and now they're going to like a team in Syria and you know they then they either blow up (laughs) you know they do really well and some English team or Spanish team comes along and pays a lot of money and they leave, you know, or French team, I guess now you could say, but <laughs> I mean, Inter, Inter is the perfect example of that. You know, it's like, first of all, Lukaku was an outrageous uh, transfer, you know, mm-hmm. the cost of him and Hakimi comes basically from Madrid where he didn't really play, has a stellar season, you know, suddenly everyone wants this guy and he goes to, PSG, you know, for a decent amount of money. And I mean, in my opinion, that guy's like the best in his position. Kobe Bryant always had that famous line, like you cut one arm and it's red and black because he loved AC Milan. Then you cut the other arm, it's blue and gold. That's what he's bleeding because he loved the Lakers. I kind of feel like you cut one arm of me, it's it's red and black because AC Milan, then the other, but then the rest of me is the Azzurri. And I, you know, and there's like a bizarre pride I have with that. Do you oftentimes feel the same way? I oftentimes feel the same way. I used to feel that way more. Mm-hmm. The thing is, it's a tricky thing, and I've thought a lot about this lately. When I'm, this is the thing. When you have your team, right? We're watching Inter Milan week in, week out. It's like every weekend, for the most part, you're turning on the TV, and you get to follow your team, right? And when you're not watching them, you're reading about them. You're looking at transfer stuff and who's injured and who's, you know, going to play this week. And then the greatest okay, soap now, opera ever. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Then you got champions league or Europa league, whatever. And then you got Copa Italia and, and you know, there's so much, right. The national team is so here and there. Right. And sometimes to the point where it's like, it actually ended up driving me crazy when there's, you know, international break, you know, you got to stop, uh, you got to stop the league to focus on these like World Cup qualifiers and you're worried about your players getting hurt and sometimes you just want to watch an Inter game or an AC Milan game, but you got to watch, you know, Italy uh, play Switzerland or whatever. But, and so it's a little annoying as and sometimes then I'm like, I feel like I'm a little bit of a bigger Inter Milan fan. But then when I do watch the national team and I will watch every single game from them, Mm-hmm. especially later in the tournament, there is a really special feeling there. And it's hard to describe. And I think it's just because those moments are so like, um, they're, they're just limited. You know, you don't get it week in and week out. So it becomes something special. And obviously the better they do, the more special it becomes, you know? So it's a tough thing to say. When I was younger, I could easily say like, the national team was way more important to me. Now it's a real back and forth. But I, I do have a lot. Of, yeah. I do have a lot of Italian pride, I guess you could say. So, like, in so you know, for an example, <laughs> and it's like I it hurts me to even admit this. It's like you know when Italy's playing Belgium, right? I mean, every day of the week, 
until that tournament starts, I hate Kalim. I mean, I hate him. You know, I hate every, you know, any Juventus player, I just cannot stand. But then we're playing Belgium and I got to talk to my dad and I got to be like, I can't believe I got to hope that this guy, Kalimi, plays because I think he's going to be able to shut down Lukaku. Lukaku, who I love, who's scoring goals for Inter and is majorly responsible for <laughs> their Scudetto. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. And so there is something clearly there, right? Like it means a lot to me. You know, I got to cheer for these guys that I normally can't stand. So what's know. funny is you say that and it's so true. I mean, Chiellini is a prime example. Cannavaro was another example. Buffon, of course. But mm-hmm. like there was always this weird thing that like I there were two guys that I like wish played for AC Milan. And I, and I mean this and I wish Totti and I wish Del Piero. Play, I, I'm sorry. I do wish Del Piero played for AC Milan. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but like De Rossi and Totti were two guys who like that was a tandem to me that was just so special because when you're playing against them you don't want to but when you're when they're on your team that's all you want is guys like that and you know when De Rossi went to Boca Juniors I finally felt like oh I can get a De Rossi jersey now you know when he played for Boca Juniors for like those three months I was like oh now I can actually cheer for you on a club team I wanted them and it was like a rumor that he was going to come to Milan for a minute but like it never panned out and I respect them for just sticking to the one club but you're so right about that it's so like you know but like I admired those guys whereas like I can see the villainous disdain that you have for Chiellini or you know or Buffon back in the day because it's just like you're preventing my club from advancing yeah and I mean definitely goes back to what you said it's just like you love to have him on your team you hate to play against them I mean Kalini does things even in the national team where I'm just like dude this guy gets away with murder and I mean I'm I'm happy and I'm cheering for it but it's just like it's just crazy but you when they're with you you love it you know so yeah I don't know there's something obviously great you know there's just something special about it and you know I don't care that much who is on inter as long as they are doing a good job and you know respecting the club but there's a big part of me that loves when there's some Italians on that team and they're doing well you know, again, it doesn't bother me there's not, but like the fact that like you got Barella out there and then he's mm-hmm. getting called to the national team, you know, uh, it means a lot. Like I, I really like that. You know, it's like I, I'd love to see more of that because I used to hate when the national team was just like, you know, you got like 80 percent Juventus and, right. you know, you barely had some guys from Inter. And I, you know, it's like I'm still cheering for them, but like I kind of hate it, you know, so. I, I love when there's a crossover, um, but it's tough. And this happens in England too, where it's like, once you're good in Italy, you cost so much money, you know, and these right. guys are, when they're real superstars, I mean, unless they love a club specifically, they're going to Juventus or they're leaving the league. You know, we see mm-hmm. it with Chiesa, you know, we see it with some of these other guys. Locatelli. Like, Locatelli, exactly. It's like even Donnarumma, I mean, it came close, <laughs> but you know, I ended up leaving, right? You know, so it's like it's uh, so it's tough in that way. Like, you, you, you hate to see that, but in England, I know it's the same. Like, you know, it's like when a guy is good and he's English, it's like 
there's a, there's a level of overhyping these guys and probably costing a bit more than they should be. Um, but that's how it goes, you know? Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, the other thing too about the national team that I think for us in our lifetime, it's given us some of our best joys as fans. I mean, not that I'm saying the clubs haven't because both of our teams have done very well. I mean, you guys get a Scudetto last season and then a treble just over a decade before that, which is mm-hmm. such a difficult feat. The thing about the national team is that that when those victories happen, it is a euphoria and an elation that a club team can't really bring on. Yeah. I'd imagine most people would feel that way who are a fan of the sport or at least follow a national team closely like yes i agree i it's hard to compare the two right like i do think your team winning a world cup or euros the world cup especially is almost it's really there's next to nothing to that i mean the closest is going to be or i'd say would top that would be like the treble right because you just know it's probably never going to happen again um and that's the thing with the national team stuff. It's like the World Cup's every four years. So, of course, it means so much more. You know, it's like, yeah, I mean, obviously, there's teams that you're going to follow that are probably never going to win your league. But for guys like us, you know, who like these pretty big teams, as bad as they have maybe been the last 10 <laughs> years or so, um, there's a chance that they're going to win Syria, right? It's right. not that crazy you know that you may see it a few more times in your lifetime. It's possible you never, you may never see it, them win a World Cup again. You know, right. like you said, we're lucky that we got a Euro and a World Cup. I mean, who's to say we'll get an, another one of those, you know? That's why the sort of, you know, like they're sort of trying to throw around the every two-year World Cup thing. And, you know, it's like this is the reason why I think there should be an argument against it because mm-hmm. it just means more. You know, every, I mean, every four years is such a long time. It's, it's kind of crazy, you know, and you wait and it's such a big event. So, to win that is incredible. So, yeah, it, yeah, I almost hate to say it, but it doesn't come close. But I'm lucky. I got like the treble. That is very, I mean, I would argue almost, it's, it's almost harder to do, you know? Right, right, right. So, right. that feeling is also incredible for people out there who don't know what it's like. It's incredible. Yeah, I don't know what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> well, not everyone. Really, it's a fairly, it's a pretty elite club, to be I, honest. I, and we, I'm <laughs> look. I'll just say this: like, it's one of those things. Like, it's a long time now. Like, eleven years ago, right, or something. So, that's a long time. But like, man, I still use it. <laughs> I still love it. Like, I'm always gonna be like, yeah, we went to trouble. You didn't. Like, you know, you always have that. Of course. Yeah. You know, but here's the thing. So now, just the, I, I know we're talking about national team, but I want to just pivot for a hot second. How do you feel about Mourinho coaching Roma? I mean, Ro- he's the reason you have a treble. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a ride or die guy with Mourinho. I don't care. Like I love him. You know, there's a few Inter fans that kind of want to talk badly about him. Some guys say like he lost it, or they don't like the way he's like talking sometimes in these press conferences at Roma none of that stuff really matters to me like that's just how he is but yeah he did something for my club that no one has ever done and I 
don't think anyone is going to do again. I obviously hope I'm very wrong, <laughs> but like he did something that is very difficult to do in soccer. And I feel like we owe him everything, you know, you know, people were pissed the way he left right away and went to real Madrid. But like, again, it's just like, he achieved history. I thank him for that. I'm glad he went to a team like Roma, not a team like Juventus, you know, or even right. to a degree AC Milan. And again, I know we talked about like respected rival rivalry, but like right. you guys are still a rival. Like it would have felt weird, but like Roma's Roma. Like, frankly, I think he's going to do well this season. I don't look at them as like a direct threat right now for us. And so that also eases the pain a little bit, but like, I'm glad he's back, man. Like I just love having him around and I think he's good for the league. And like, yeah, I don't know. He would have to do a lot to like ever really under my skin at this point. Um, I mean, I, yeah. I can, I can, I can sympathize and understand what you're saying, you know, in that aspect. Cause it's also, there's been time in between, you know, I never actually thought we'd ever see Mourinho back in Italy, but I think after his stints in England, Tottenham was never supposed to be, well, Tottenham was not a club for him. And mm-hmm. Manchester United, he's almost like, well, he's talked about how much he loves that team over the years, even before he managed them. So it's like, that's such a, we talk about how big of a brand they are, that he's also not, he's got, if he's going to win, he's got to then supersede Sir Alex. And that's never going to happen. Whereas yeah. like, he's going to go to Roma and, you know, he, whereas like United's going to want to get stars and Tottenham's going to want to try and buy stars, you know, pandemic aside, but Roma is going to give him what he always needed, which is gladiators. And that's no pun intended, but it's like, that's what took him to win. Diego Melito is the guy that wins you champions league, mm. not Eto. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that's the thing. It's like, they were ride or die guys. And I feel like Roma is, has been given him that at the moment. Um, but like back to the national team though, you know, because again, like Mourinho, you know, he, he wears how, you know, his, his Portuguese pride on his sleeve. Um, I'm hoping to one day see him coach the national, the Portuguese national team full time, because I think that would be just kind of an interesting thing. I know he did it very limitedly, you know, at one point when he, uh, managed, uh, Madrid, but you know, you talking about national team and what that euphoria and that win feels like, you know, we have Portuguese friends that, you know, we'll talk about their victory from, you know, uh, from the last Euro, not, you know, this past summer, but, you know, from the one prior to that in 2016, that was. So, you know, that's, that's the beauty of the national team is, is that, you know, here's a, and, and these tournaments where like, Portugal can win something, you know, and, and hopefully a world cup one day. And hopefully that happens to other countries, but you talked about how difficult it is to win those national tournaments. I mean, it took Messi this summer to win silverware for Argentina. That wasn't an Olympic gold medal. You know, he made it to a world cup final and they lost, you know, they lost to Germany. It's so it's never really guaranteed as people think that it is. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think I, – I don't know if I'd say the national teams are a bit more unpredictable. I think that's probably true compared to some of these weak teams. But, yeah, I think there's more of a chance for 
a little bit of an underdog story to some degree, mm-hmm. you know, even if you take France and Croatia, right. You know, they're in the last world cup final. Right. And I, I'm not saying Croatia is some like whatever scrub team. They're a great team and they were a great team then, but I don't know if people were listening to them in the top three, you know, maybe they were, but you know, Belgium kind of had that, has that golden generation I was talking about and you know, they may never really, it's going to be a while till they can kind of, uh, if they don't win soon, you know, right. they may not win for a long time. So I think Croatia, you know, it's like Croatia could have won that World Cup. And, you know, that would have been a really interesting <laughs> story, you know, and they came close. And it's just like there are there is opportunity, I think, uh, for a little bit more of like the underdog story. Um, you obviously would get your Lester's and stuff like that here and there. But uh, it's not too often, I, I don't think. Um, so yeah, um, sorry, does that answer your question? Am I like going off and on my own? No, 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 that definitely does. No, for sure. No, that absolutely does that. No, for sure. And you know, it's, it absolutely does. And I know we keep talking about Europe and South American teams, but you know, one day I do hope to see an African country in a world cup final. I do hope to see, you know, and the middle East has been trying their hardest to, you know, build up their, uh, their international program, same in, same in Asia. So like, I'm hoping that down the line, it doesn't become, it becomes almost harder for the favorites, you know, Italy, for some reason, like is always, Italy is always going to be a favorite the way Argentina is going to be a favorite, the way like Uruguay will be a threat or Brazil, because it's just that history behind them, you know, but, you know, down the line, I would love to see, you know, Ghana or, you know, South Africa or, you know, whoever there's like do something huge and monumental and amazing. And cause I feel like it's due now for a new continent to win a major international trophy. Don't you think? I mean, yeah, of course. I don't think it's going to happen for a really long time. I'm, I mean, it just requires so much. I mean, I think the reason I think it's a little unpredictable is because you're talking leagues here that could basically have whoever they want. You know, you can be a Chelsea and a Manchester City and have all that money and bring in all these players and win Champions League, right? Um, and you got some of those guys, and you, these guys run different national teams. So it's we could watch Mares be an incredible player for Man City and maybe be partly responsible for winning the league and maybe going on to win a Champions League at some point, but like. Um, is he gonna bring his national team to to a final? Probably not, right? So it's like it's it's tricky because you're just relying on so many different factors than you would for these league teams, you know. So um, we all, I think, probably. I mean, I think fans of the sport, obviously, we want to cheer for our team, but we do want to. I think the most of us want to see these different teams win and get opportunity, but yeah, it's probably pretty tricky um, to actually see it be a reality, you know, and there's always those couple teams that like come through and you, you know, they probably won't win, but they kind of get like everyone behind them. Like maybe you're not a soccer fan, but you tune in for the world cup and you find yourself being like, you know what? I love, I'm loving Iceland right now. (laughs) You know, like that's just a great team. And they're like, and that happens a lot. And that's always fun. But I think deep down we know, like, all right, they're not really going to make it to the end. But 
it could you never know you crazy know? things have happened you know it's it, it is sure. a, it is a weird thing um one thing that i forgot to completely touch upon um is is that you know we've talked a lot about tonight growing up on the other side of the atlantic following this sport and this league that we love and the difficulties about it especially in a pre-internet age um but you got to experience something as a kid that you know is something that you know you'll stay with you forever you went to a game in europe you know you went to a game in italy um with your dad and there were very specific instructions that you had to follow. So explain to me what that was. Explain to the listeners what that was, what that game was, and, you know, what what that experience was like in general. Yeah, I mean, we went – so it's actually the only, I guess, professional Serie A game I've ever went to. I mean, I've seen interplay in the States – you know, during like these summer friendlies and stuff like that. But um, unfortunately, like I've only ever seen Inter Live once. Uh, and it was, yeah, this is like 2000. So I'm like 15, 16. And my dad's friend gets a bunch of his friends together. And um, I don't remember the details of how it worked, but it was through some kind of like Inter fan club in America. And me and my dad and a few of his friends, like, we flew out to Rome. It was the first time I'd ever been to Italy. So, I mean, my first experience in Italy was just going to Rome for, like, four nights. And that was, like, it. <laughs> like, coming home was a really strange sort of experience. But so we go out there and we're basically going to just see, like, an inter-Roma game. And it's in Rome. And we, though we are part of this, like, fan club or whatever, it's, like, you know, we are seated in their stadium so we are like within mostly roma fans you know um, so you're at the olympico so, and you're surrounded yeah. by you know romans to your left romans. To your right yeah <laughs> yeah and i mean no one's you know no one's like uh decking an integers or anything like that we are like staying hidden and you know there's moments where like you know vieri scores and like we don't even move I mean, we like keep still because like <laughs> you just never know, you know, and the, th the thing is like, and I'm not trying to paint like a p p bad picture, like something terrible is going to happen. But like, listen, it's just soccer is just different, man. I mean, the show that they put on the intensity, just, I mean, you got fireworks, you got smoke bombs, you got like incredible choreography it's just on next level. And we're talking you know? about the Tifosi now. We're talking about the, the Cordova, the fans. We're not talking about the actual, like, stadium doing this as, like, halftime show, correct? A hundred percent. It's just, like, that, that is it from before the game, during the game, after the game. Like, it's crazy, you know? Um, so, you know, there's a little bit of, like, uh, we're going to just sort of chill here and watch and not make too much of a show about it. But it was an insane experience. Uh, and Roma did win actually three, two, but I remember we had to go back and this bus was like an inter bus. And like, we had to be escorted by like uh, police on, on motorcycles. And it was like the craziest thing I'd ever experienced. I mean, it was, it was just so fun. Like I was like, I mean, the moment I was like probably a little scared, but like in hindsight, I just was like, that was insane. I and mean, it was just like an experience I'll never forget. 
Um, it was amazing. Yeah, Vieri scored two goals, and I think Montella scored actually two goals for Roma, and uh, he actually won the game for them. Wow. And, uh, yeah, I used to love Vieri. I mean, I mean you he can't probably not. had. Yeah, I mean, at that time, I mean, I remember, I mean, like Roberto Baggio is going to be my favorite player ever, but like, I loved Vieri and I loved him on Inter. He was just like, he just like a bulldozer, man. That guy was something else. So, yeah, he was there. He scored the two goals. It was great. It was an incredible experience. And I mean, I really would love to go back and see a game at, you know, at the stadium and, you know, just see Inter live again. Like it's, it's the, it's sort of like, it's a real bummer that I haven't been able to experience more live games, but you know, it's not easy to just jump on a plane and go to Milan and go watch a game, you know, from right. New York, but uh, we, it, it will, yeah. will happen. We don't have the uh, the Bobo Vieri James Bond lifestyle, which uh, exactly, you know, unfortunately. If, just I, as an aside, there is nobody doing life the way Bobo Vieri does. Like he, the greatest post career life I've ever seen in a player is him. Like just playing foot volley on the beach of Miami or anywhere in the world he wants to be, jet setting, best clothes you know, raising his family, doing his thing, always with a smile on his face. It's like, dude, you are, you are life goals. Like he, if there's ever anybody that like, I kind of want to emulate later in my life, I never will, but it's him. Like that is, you worked your tail off and now you're just going to enjoy everything. And that to me is like, yeah, he's doing, he's the only person I think on the planet doing it right. Oh, hundred percent. agree. He's like living it up. I love it. And I love that he has become like a commentator. It's not like a role I had imagined seeing him in, but he's I, he's great in it. I'm glad more people are exposed to him. He's a lot of fun. I don't agree with everything he has to say, but he is great. And uh, yeah, man, he is living that best like post-soccer life. Real life James Bond, man. Um, <laughs> you know, Russ, this has been fantastic. It's been such a pleasure. Um, as I close every episode of this podcast, I have three questions to ask you. Now time for a coffee break. Curva Mundial is sponsored by Mod Cup Coffee in Jersey City. But you can get it anywhere in the world from ModCup.com. Mod Cup. Drink modern coffee. Use code MUNDIAL for 10% off your first order. If you could bring back one retired player to your club, alive or dead, who would it be and why? Hmm. Uh, I want to say Nagatomo. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just play I'm like, I'll for just a minute, play I'm like, wait, is he serious? I mean, you know, why not? I mean, he was such a workhorse. He really was. I love like, Listen, I love that. I'll just say this quickly because I that's not to be that, – that was a joke, but it's no disrespect because I do love that man. Um, as bad as he could be sometimes, and that was the, the banter era of Inter for sure. But um, – it was a great game. Inter played Roma. Mancini was coaching us. Salah was, that's when he was on Rome. And uh, I'll never forget Mancini just put Nagatoma on Salah to do all the work. I mean, he owned him. It was incredible. It was like an incredible uh, tactical move. And mm-hmm. it's just like, I always think about that with that guy because he is a, he was a workhorse. Just a great guy too. Like, yeah, always full of respect. Yeah, I love that guy. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's tricky. I mean, the answer is probably, 
I mean, the answer is probably Baggio. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's just because he, the thing is like, you know, he's my favorite player of all time. Right. And, but he's also played for so many teams, (laughs) you know, which is sort of a rare thing to like someone that much, you know, like, I mean, I think a ton of us are, would, would agree that he might be, you know, our favorite or one of the best ever. For sure. And, and just kind of love the guy, you know, but he's played for a lot of people and not every kind of is able to do that. Um, so I guess it would be him in that sense. Um, Cause you know, he did play for intern. I do love him. So I, it, it would have to be him, I think. Um, and then, you know, the obvious, I think other obvious answer would be someone like Zanetti, but um, you know, he's around, he's the VP. Uh, I see his beautiful face all the time. It feels like he was just there playing anyway. So, yeah. Because he, because he hasn't aged, that's why. Exactly. Yeah. He could, I mean, honestly, like, there's there's days where I'm like, just put the boots on and go yourself, man, at this point. You know, like, you might do a better job than some of these clowns out there anyway. So, <laughs> um, If you could sign one player today that is active, who would hmm. it be and why? Anyone. I don't want to give like an obvious answer, like I'm Mbappe or something. It's like obviously someone came to me and was like, "Yo, do you want to sign Mbappe?" I'd be like, "Yeah, obviously, a hundred percent." You know, but like, I'm trying to think like who I just like. You know who I love? Who do you? I think this is going to be my answer, and it's not that crazy or anything because he's. I think everyone would agree he's one of the best. It'd probably be like De Bruyne. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, I I mean I'm a huge like I mean my favorite players are playmakers. Obviously Messi, Mbappe, Holland, all those guys you would love. But yeah, De Bruyne like has like a his style is just like I love like I just love his playmaking ability. I think he's probably the best midfielder in the world. So yeah, I think someone like him I, I'd love to sign. That's currently active. Yeah, I he's a I little mean, injury he's got a little injury issue right now, but he's he's incredible. I mean, much respect to that, you know, plus, you know, you can also admit too, this is a safe space. You can admit too that like, you just really want to have Prince Harry's doppelganger on your team. I mean, really <laughs> like that's, that's really the only, I'm surprised like that's not more of a thing with De Bruyne. Like how has, am I, I feel like sometimes the only person in the world that sees that, like he looks just like Prince Harry. Like, why is this not a meme? Um, but there's anyway. definitely a similarity there. <laughs> I think I need, to, I think I need someone to fill like the Belgium void. Now Lukaku, because I'll never say Lukaku to come back or something like that. So it's got to be, you know, De Bruyne is like the, is really the best thing there. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I definitely, I you know, again, it's such a res- amazing choice. Like, why not? Um, and mm. I and imagine a De Bruyne Barella midfield. Mm, absolutely. I yeah, mean, I mean, it would be incredible. Forget it with Brozovic <laughs> there doing all the dirty work. Forget yeah. Um, and finally, and this could be club or national. What was your favorite moment as a fan? Oh, that's actually easy. Um, it's actually not, it's going to sound weird because it's not when they won the treble because it's going to sound a little like, I don't know, smug or something, but like I knew they were going to be Bayern. I just knew it. And I and I don't mean that. And like, like we were so much better. Like Bayern was a great team, but like, when they beat Barcelona, it was like that to me always felt like the final, right? You know, Barcelona yes. was like, mm-hmm. I mean, they were the best, they were so good, but we were, it wasn't like we were just better, like we were just smarter, 
and we were just we worked way harder you know and that's the thing about Mourinho it's like you know Eto is always going to tell you the same thing over and over again like he's not going to do what he did with Mourinho he's not going to do that for other coaches like he admits that and that was what he was able to do with that team have these guys work so hard for you have guys that are normally a little selfish maybe I mean come and like work for the team it's incredible you know Mm -hmm. um I don't know that Mourinho was able to achieve that 100% anymore but he was with them and uh and they did everything um to be Barcelona in those two in those two legs um and that second game was insane we had the red card and the way they dropped back and it was just I never seen anything like it in terms of just like the one-way sort of action that was happening it was crazy but that by far I mean I was in a bar it's actually kind of funny I was in this bar and I'm, and I'm watching the game and the woman who was the bartender she was a Chelsea fan and so she hated Barcelona because <laughs> if you remember like there's some Chelsea fans out there I feel like they got robbed yep yep Barcelona um, I tend to agree with them so she had it in for them too so it was like we had the thing I was surrounded by mostly Barcelona fans because, like, who the fuck likes Inter Milan? Like, who's going to a bar in Brooklyn and, like, cheering for Inter Milan unless you just, like, hate Barcelona? It's like, you know, Barcelona's a very popular team. And again, like, this Guardiola-era Barcelona. Oh, my God. This is... I mean, they're incredible. This is the tip of... uh, The top of the Tiki-Taka Mountain here. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's all of that. Yeah, I mean, they were unbelievable. And this is when they even had... Ibrahimovic too which you know is like there's so many there's so many layers to it it's like we had done the exchange where like we had gotten Eto and they and we gave them Ibrahimovic there's like this great moment where he's like summoning Ibrahimovic and Marino's like talking shit to Pep and like and then like later you find out like Ibrahimovic hated Pep and he loves Mourinho and it's like it's all when you know in hindsight it's it's just like so great and the drama's great but like yeah them winning that was by far my favorite moment and I felt like Yes, of course, there's still this like mountain to climb to beat Bayern, but I just knew we were going to do it, you know, at that point. And so, and they did, and they won to nothing, and it was like, whatever. So, yeah, but that Barcelona game for sure. Or I'll say like those two, the two legs. Yeah. All right. Cool, man. Yeah. Well, Rosario, thank you so much. Um, This, uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, this has been great. Thanks so much. Follow us on Twitter at Curva Mundial Pod and subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.